TSX or no audio. Hello, cheerful community. It is almost 11.30 in the morning on the 3rd of March, 2024, as we approach the end of week nine, and let's get into the week in review. Starting with section one, the anti-war headlines, and chapter one, the genocide. U.S. officials warn Israeli disruptions to aid is, quote, turning Gaza into Mogadishu, end quote. Israel hinders humanitarian assistance in Gaza by delaying visas for aid workers. Israeli defense minister, ceasefire in Gaza would mean escalation in Lebanon. Netanyahu says hostage deal will only delay attack on Rafah. Israel escalates demolitions of Palestinians' homes in occupied East Jerusalem. U.S. Airman sets himself on fire in front of Israeli embassy to protest Gaza genocide. Israeli officials downplay prospect of new hostage deal with Hamas. Report. Hezbollah would halt fire on Israel if ceasefire reached in Gaza. Israel, Hamas indicate Biden spoke too soon about potential hostage deal. Houthis say they'll reassess Red Sea attacks if Israel's onslaught in Gaza ends. Lloyd Austin says Israel has killed over 25,000 women and children in Gaza. Biden walked back prediction that a Gaza ceasefire will be reached by Monday. US vetoes UN resolution condemning Israel for flower massacre. Netanyahu breaks off hostage talks with Hamas. Chapter 2. The Cataclysm. US officials, quote, surprised, end quote, by Houthi military capabilities. Two killed, several wounded as Israel attacks Lebanon's Baalbek area for first time. Civilian reported killed in US-British bombing of Yemen. Egypt accused of threatening rights group that reported on construction of camp in Sinai for Palestinian refugees. Israeli airstrikes hit Syria, causing, quote, material losses, end quote. U.S. officials expect Israel to launch ground invasion of Lebanon. Israel kills three, including Iranian advisor, in attack on Syrian port. Israeli airstrikes kill seven Hezbollah members in southern Lebanon. Chapter 3, NATO Stan. NATO chief gives Ukraine green light for attacks inside Russia. Hungary's parliament ratifies Sweden's NATO membership. CIA built 12 spy bases in Ukraine near the Russian border over the past decade. Yellen calls for frozen Russian central bank funds to be given to Ukraine. Poll. Two-thirds of U.S. voters support U.S. pushing for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza. Democrats signal they would protect Speaker Johnson if he brought Ukraine aid to floor for a vote. Over 100,000 vote, quote, uncommitted, end quote, in Michigan primary to send message to Biden over support for Gaza slaughter. France rejects U.S. call to give Central Russian Bank funds to Ukraine. Biden campaign taking, quote, extraordinary steps, end quote, to prevent pro-Palestinian protests at events. Chapter 4. Ukraine slash Russia. Ukraine military intelligence chief says Navalny died of a blood clot. 
Slovakia says some NATO members are considering sending troops to Ukraine. NATO chief says no plans to send combat troops to Ukraine. European officials say everyone knows that there are Western Special Operations Forces in Ukraine. Putin warns West Russia's nuclear arsenal is on, quote, full combat alert, end quote. Macron doubles down on remarks about sending troops to Ukraine. Macron doubles down on remarks about sending troops to Ukraine. Section 2. Other voices, beginning with the genocide. And the first couple of articles are addressed at the Aaron Bushnell uh, self-immolation. The first is by Colonel uh, Anne Wright, and it puts Aaron's political suicide uh, within a context, going back to the Vietnam War. And then Hedges uh, publishes uh, through Sheer Post a similar approach, but it's much more psychological and... Uh, religious and looks at the the power, the role and the power of martyrs, looking at uh, Reinhold Niebuhr's writings on uh, the topic. And in that piece, he mentions an event which I believe is quite seminal for him. Uh, he was in Czechoslovakia in, I think it was 89. This is 20 years after the, you know, the tanks rolled into, into Czechoslovakia and there was a an event in what was previously uh, Red Army Soldier Square, and it was renamed uh, Jan Pollock Square, and Jan Pollock also self-immolated. And he quotes uh, what uh, Pollock said in the article. And if you listen to more of the sorts of speeches that Hedges has given in various places, he relates one additional element of the story that he doesn't relate uh, in this particular article. And that is that there was uh, a well-known uh, Czech singer who uh, sang of uh, the resistance in a way, and she was, first of all, all of her recordings were destroyed, and then she was sent off to work in a toy factory or something. And at the moment of the, the revolution, uh, she comes out onto a balcony, uh, of the, I think it's the the Lantern Theatre or something like this, and uh, she begins to sing this song, a prayer for Marta. And even despite the fact that her works had been destroyed, the entire crowd of half a million people sing along. They all know the words, and this is to do with the irrepressibility of culture and spirit. And it is in reference to that particular event that I include the culture article article uh, for this week. So anyway, moving on, uh, then we have an article by Bernard from Alabama, Zionists use food baits to attract and uh, kill starving civilians, which is the, I reference in the last article for the week, which is the changing, the shifting plates of awareness and uh, responsibility, which begins with the article, which is uh, further below by uh, Caitlin Thompson. Anyway, moving on. Uh, notice, Dan, uh, Galloway <laughs> back in Parliament declaring duopoly defeated. Joe Laurier uh, and Consortium News have been doing yeoman work in um, bringing to my attention the successful campaign by George Galloway in the uh, by-election that occurred in Rochdale 
uh, in which an amazing thing happened, as he declared uh, on in his uh, victory speech, uh, that he believes, and he may well be correct, that this is the first time since forever <laughs> that an independent... Well, that neither of the major parties appeared in um, first or second place. Like, they were totally pushed down the list. He got 12,000 votes. The second place was an independent that no one's really heard of, 6,000 votes. And then the, the two major parties, like, were 3,000, 2,000, something like that, votes each, right? So 5,000 for them, 18,000 for the independents. Right? It's a complete whitewash. Anyway... Um, so I'm going to keep my eye on the Galway thing because it's obvious that he's a serious threat to the British duopoly and they're going to come at him with all guns blazing. Like, all guns. <laughs> the, absolutely everything. Not just the media, the rest of it too. The entire power establishment would throw thrown at him um, because he's a serious threat. Anyway, uh, then we have uh, just an, another little interesting article from Bernard. Uh, Lloyd Austin doubts protective value of NATO. So it's sort of stating the obvious here. Uh, and then we have a lovely little piece from uh, Phyllis Bennett, uh, sorry, Phyllis Bennis, uh, defending uh, defunding UNRWA makes US complicit in genocide, which is sort of stating the obvious, uh, but there it is. And we have the article from Caitlin Johnston, right? How the Imperial Media uh, report uh, on an Israeli massacre. And then, yeah, an interesting one from Jessica Corbett, uh, originally from Common Dreams, as I've mentioned recently, that Common Dreams is doing some great work in just reportage. Uh, and so Nicaragua hits Germany with ICJ case for aiding Israel in Gaza genocide, and that must really sting, really sting, <laughs> to be Germany and accused of genocide again. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then we've got this piece that I mentioned in the making of process that I'm working on by Mark Episcopos. And it is originally from um, Responsible Statecraft with the publication from the Quincy Institute. It's asking, well, given that we've just found out that the CIA over the past decade built 12 sort of forward operational bases in Ukraine, uh, isn't that a provocation? Uh, so it's, it's not a terribly uh, wonderful article, it's okay, but what it indicates is that the language around the framing uh, of the discussion of Ukraine is shifting in the blobsphere. He, the author that is, puts into question straight up front, it's like, hang on, what about this unprovoked and un-whatever, you know, stupid adjectives that sort of guided the entire foreign policy debate? since year dot, uh, which is, they're all bullshit. So anyway, it's interesting. And then he gets on to uh, some comments that uh, Matt Taibbi has made. Uh, so it's an interesting article just in terms of what's going on in, in the evolution within the blobsphere. Uh, and then we have uh, an interview, Mike Bentz on the American censorship regime. So that's more on that front, as we know from the Twitter files, which is Taibbi again. Uh, we've learnt a little bit uh, since um, Mary Poppins, or whatever her name was, uh, started singing Mary Poppins tunes uh, about the disinformation. <laughs> what was it? The, the Department of Homeland Security, which is a warning in itself. Just look at the na title of that thing, which was created after the, in, the, in the wake of 9-11. And, and it's a, a board of disinformation, the, gov the disinformation government's bo governance board. Yeah, I mean, you can't, just, you can't make this shit up. Anyway, so that's on that. 
Um, and then there's uh, another article here by um, Joe Laurier to do with what's happening to Galloway. And then we move into Ukraine, Russia. And there's a transcript of the speech that uh, Vladimir Vladimirovich gave to the Russian Duma. And as we say, read what they say. And so there it is. There's the transcript. Thank you very much, Natalie's Place. And then another one from Bernard of Moon of Alabama, which is a Ukraine sit rep. Retreat continues for lack of defence lines. And there is a corresponding report by Dima from Melody Summary, which uh, reinforces that exact line from around the same date. If you want to go and have a little hunt there. I've included another one um, below, as you'll see, for another purpose. Uh, and then we have... The Global South converges to multipolar Moscow, which is Pepe Escobar singing the tunes of what's happening in the multipolar world, which is all good. Uh, and then we have the, uh, another, just the sensitive approach from good old Vijay Prashad at the Triconundal Institute for Social Research. Uh, the nobodies are worth more than the bullet that kills them, the ninth newsletter. And a tale of what the hell is going on in the de-dollarisation crusade. Um, or that is to <laughs> rephrase that. The process of establishing a new international currency for trade between nations who don't want anything to do with the, the NATO blob. Uh, how is that going, constructing said currency? And, you know, are they, what's going to underpin it? Is it going to be gold? Is it going to be gold? No, well, da, 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 da. a whole lot of complicated questions, difficult thing to do. Uh, but uh, significant progress has been made, and this is an interview with Sergei Glaziev, who is basically leading the charge on that. And I think that just as a quick aside commentary, it's obviously the case that the power player in terms of this is China. So no agreement will be uh, reached that China does not approve of ahead of time, obviously. Uh, however, there are extensive discussions going on, and that is to say that um, China hasn't just railroaded the entire thing and said, only this, we'll only have this. No, no, no. There are discussions going on because they are trying to maintain a cohesion and they want this thing to succeed. So they need buy-in uh, from, obviously, uh, the key players in BRICS. So that means that South Africa, China, Russia, India all need to play on board. And you'd expect that Iran will want to have an influence on what's going down as well because as... Uh, Escobar mentions in the introduction to the article, uh, this this is being pushed by not BRICS 10, but BRICS, the, core, the original core BRICS and the SEO. And the SEO means Iran and Saudi Arabia. So this is the, like the oil and gold backing and uh, how are they working this out? Because obviously, if you don't have any oil and you don't have any gold, then it's not terribly good for you. <laughs> it's like, hang on. So anyway, there's lots of discussions going on there. So moving on to the uh, video and audio section, we have uh, this piece, which I highly recommend for a bit of laugh, uh, by Dima. Um, from military, military's summary channel, uh, Snowstorm, uh, Russian flag over Tonenke and Olivka. And I advise you to listen to at least the first minute of this because there's a glorious jock hidden within it. I have to remember that Port Dima has been commenting on the uh, Ukrainian war since the year dot, <laughs> well, since the Russians got involved every day, every day, without end, without fail, reliably keeping his maps up to date and developing more and more, you know, integrated databases about what's going on. It's insane. I, 
Hats off to the dude. He's a machine. <laughs> Essentially, he's still able to do this. However, what we can see is a little bit of satire has <laughs> leaked into his commentary. So I advise you to have a little uh, listen or watch and both uh, to uh, to this uh, particular episode <laughs> of uh, his report on the conflict in Ukraine. For there be laughs. <laughs> Uh, and then we have how the Ukraine war changed the world. There are multiple reasons why this is included. The first of which is because it is hosted by uh, Kvorkin. Now, I first learned of this uh, gentleman during the Syrian dirty war because I was listening to Eva Bartlett a bit and what's her name? Oh, oops, right, it might come to me. Anyway, and um, she uh, came across... Kvorkin, and together they made some really very, very interesting commentary on what was going on in the Dirty War. And one of the reasons for this is because this gentleman spent much of his life in Syria. He knows Syria very well. He is, I think he was born there, uh, either he moved there when he was very young. He is Armenian uh, in descent, and therefore he's quite sensitive to the Turks and their genocide against the Armenians and therefore understand a bit about the Caucasus region, so the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. He would, I expect, know a little bit about things in Georgia, South Ossetia, etc. He migrated to Germany uh, and set up this channel, Syriana Analysis, at least two years ago. Three? Four? Something like that. Anyway, very uh, intelligent and educated man. And he has on this show with him, Andrei Martinov, and also Mark Sloboda. And Sloboda is an interesting character because he was a member of the US military for a while, became a, an international analyst, as in studied this, I think it was at the London School of Economics, if I'm not incorrect, uh, and then has migrated to Russia. So he's one of these interesting commentators which, who has experience on both sides of the wall, as it were, and is quite uh, interesting. So the discussion between the three of them uh, is uh, well worth your time if you've got any. Uh, moving on, we have something uh, which is topical for the week, and that is an interview between Lutaz and Helmut Schieben, uh, who was an editor. Right, former news editor. So it's a discussion about uh, how the media is controlled. So that's a topic because of the insider leak purge that's going on at the New York Times and, and other things. Uh, moving right along, we've got um, Mercurius and Christophori discussing uh, how the G7 are really pissed off with the fact that they can't just steal the, the Russian central bank's assets. They actually now identify where those assets are. There was some contention about how much of them there were, and that is now well known. And it is something like 250 billion is stuffed in the EU something system, and then there's another 26 billion sitting in uh, in London, and da da da. Anyway, so the, the numbers are, have been come out, uh, and this is a discussion between the two on how pissed off the G7 are that they can't just grab their stuff and then use it to um, whitewash it through Ukraine and, you know, 10% for the big guy and all of that. 
Uh, and then we just have the usual set of um, interviews on judging freedom. I've only included the ones which I thought were more interesting. Of all of them, I mean, Alistair Crook always, but actually the Wilkerson interview is very, very interesting. Check that out. And Jeffrey Sachs is brilliant. He just calls shit straight up as it's going down. Same with um, McGregor's got always something interesting to say. And uh, yeah, let's get on to section three. Section three. There were seven things that happened in the newsletter. And uh, what have we got? Well, the one of that I thought was most interesting was the fact that Dor had Professor Halsey on. Uh, but this was back in November last year or something like that. No, December, wasn't it? Whatever. Anyway, they go over um, the work that Halsey did with his students who were PhD graduates and an associate professor or something at the time and were Chinese, interestingly enough, because the... Um, the local students decided that the, the topic was too politically difficult, that being the World Trade Center Building 7 controlled demolition that occurred on the afternoon of the 9-11 crimes. And so it was a lot of fun to go through that because I've uh, looked into this in the past in some detail and I thought it was good of Dor to have the professor on and have a little chat about it. Uh, so that was that. And then we had, of course, the uh, extremely emotionally powerful uh, event of the creation of a martyr, Aaron Bushnell, who is already lauded as a hero in the uh, Arab world. And I expect that the same would be true within uh, Russia as well. In fact, I believe that that was the phrase that Martinov used, an American hero. I'm sure that there's a lot of other Russian people who would also feel the same way. In any case, uh, moving on from there, we had uh, the fun of uh, Yes and Jock article. Ukraine has always been the CIA project. It was a bit like stating the obvious, but it was quite fun to roll that out. Uh, then the, I think actually, for me, the big news of the week is actually uh, Galloway's election in Rochdale. That's going to really make things quite interesting. And what it will do, I expect, is produce... Uh, evidence of an awful lot of jiggery pokery <laughs> by the powers that be in Britain to undermine and and sideline and whatever they can to get rid of Galloway because it's not just that he got, he 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 is a clever man he spotted that this by election was coming obviously had it on his radar and then there's this the background to it is that the Labour candidate for the for the seat who was you know no doubt going to win said something that was, um, you know, anti-Semitic or whatever and had to, you know, withdraw that and essentially, and that meant that the Labour Party withdrew their support for his uh, election, which meant that all of a sudden there was a bit of a wide field <laughs> and Galloway's gone, all right, <laughs> let's have a go. Um, and he romped it in. <laughs> so, but he didn't just do that. He also registered the uh, Workers' Party of Britain <laughs> for, and he stood as a, for the Workers' Party of Britain and he has plans, I'm telling you, to, uh, to actually do something with this. He's now, of course, the leader of said party. And uh, he's a good friend of Jeremy Corbyn's, who got shafted by uh, Sir Bootlick and Keir Starmer. And all hell is going to break loose. We'll see how it goes. I mean, who knows? But what I see is uh, a serious threat to the duopoly, the British political duopoly. And uh, I reckon they see it too, and therefore all guns waiting. <laughs> and if the uh, if the people on the ground there, particularly some independent journalists, and there's co there's quite a few, like the people from the Declassified UK, I reckon they'll spot this and go, "Yep, <laughs> let's see what we can do." 
Joe Laurie is on the case already, which is fantastic. Good on him. And uh, Kathy Bogan did an interview uh, with George Galloway uh, just before the evening of the election. So, and he's already reported on the uh, the uh, stupid uh, media circus uh, beat up bullshit that they're throwing at Galloway. So uh, yeah, they've already started. Of course, you know it was it, even Rishi Sunak, the idiot, <laughs> holds some emergency press blah blah event in front of ten Downing Street, saying, "Oh, we have all got to come together in this extremist." Da 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 da. da. <laughs> it's usual. They're making lose it. They're losing it already. Anyway, so I reckon that's a lot of fun. Um, and it's nice to have some sort of smaller politics enter the discussion instead of all this stuff about genocide. Anyway, uh, and then of course, uh, Daly and Wallace, the two raving Irish champions, God, I love them. Uh, and I updated the article to include uh, episode 161, which came out just today, or you know, last night, or whatever it was. So there's two episodes of their podcast and the wonderful work that's done by... Uh, Pascal Lotaz at uh, Neutrality Studies, which is the video compilation that he puts together every now and then uh, of, of their speeches in the uh, EU Parliament. <laughs> Lastly was, of course, that article, Shifting Plates of Awareness and Responsibility. And sort of weaving all of that together, what, what I'm seeing is an awful lot of chaos. Uh, but th- that chaos, I think, is not quite so much planned as... <laughs> Uh, and evidence of the unravelling. There is uh, a loss of control happening. And, and I think, I can't remember where I saw this, one of the articles is basically one member of NATO trying to throw another member of NATO under the bus is partly what's going on blaming each other for this catastrophe. Like, wait, how the hell did this go wrong? You told us it was all going to be fine. Meanwhile, you know, as I said, there are plenty of people in the independent media who have been calling this shit for years, right? Brian Belletti, Colonel, Colonel McGregor, blah, blah, blah. Like, we could all see what was coming. And some of it was a bit uh, surprising. Even the Russians were amazed at how quickly they managed to, you know, shift themselves out from the uh, financial burden of the EU sanctions that were thrown at them, which all just bounced back on the on the uh, EU. It's hardly surprising when, you know, they, they quietly let the US destroy the Nord Stream pipelines and Germany loses its cheap power and... God. I mean, anyway. Um, so yeah. So essentially, there's a form. There's a transition happening, and there's a degree of tumult and chaos going on. And because of the fact that people are suffering because of this, we've seen the rise of um, OFD in in Germany. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's fine um, that you know there are increase in diversity in, in political representation. And we can see what's happening in um, in Britain. So the other side to that little bit of insight that uh, Galloway had was that 30% of the electorate in Rochdale are Muslim. <laughs> like, oh, really? And he played on that in the campaign. Of course, because he's not stupid. <laughs> so there's resentment going on all over the, the NATO sphere at the, at the people on the street level for what they're beginning to all realise is, well, it's obvious in the case of the Zionist genocide, but they're also starting to realise that the whole Ukrainian project was a crock of shit from the day one. So this creates a political moment, um, and I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Hopefully, people will start to be more aware of the fact that they stop reading the shit they tell you in the New York Times and, and whatever else. You know, get, get, get connected with what's happening in the independent media sphere. Start thinking for yourself, and listen a bit to Colonel McGregor. Take responsibility for the stuff because that, no one else is going to fix it for you. Right? So, so we're in a moment of 
uh, yeah, interesting times, I think, is the curse that the Chinese would put upon this. Yeah, interesting times are afoot. And with that, I hope you're having a good one wherever you are. Ciao. Until next time. Thank you.